Hello and welcome to Full Eyes, Clear Hearts, Sex Magic. The only The Invisibles and Football Trick Plays fancasts. I'm Kyle. And I'm Kat, and this is the only fancast where we give the fancast treatment to underappreciated topics. And some very appreciated topics because this is our podcast and we can do what we want. Um, let's talk, Kyle. Yes, let's Let, talk. Let's talk. Because our, our longtime listeners might be confused by that intro we just gave, because that's not necessarily how we pitch this podcast at the beginning. In the beginning, we were like, it's all going to be about TV. And our logo's very TV-centric. We said, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch mid-season TV shows of shows that we've never seen before, and then try to figure out what's going on. But guess what? Guess it, what? It wasn't that fun. It wasn't. Like, it's real fun to make this podcast, yes. and it's real fun to have people listen to it. Yes. But we ended up just getting to a point where we dreaded having to watch a TV show every week, and because we just ended up having to, like, make fun of it, because there's TV's not that good, and it's especially not that good when you have no attachment to the characters. Yeah. Yeah, it turns out that we don't really like even talking about TV we do like that much. So. Not that much. It, it it wasn't a winning formula, but... Yeah, and, and most importantly, like, we just don't want to have to spend an hour every week, like, talking about stuff we don't like, because that's no fun. We don't want to be negative Nancys. No, we want to be positive Pollys. Oh, good. I saw a look in your eye that said, I don't know, a name that begins with P. But you did! You did it! Yeah, no, I'll tell you a little secret, because mm -hmm. Polly, P-O-L-L-Y, I think that's like a relatively popular name, yep. but I was thinking P-A-U-L-Y, like, like Polly Shore. Shore. Yeah. Oh boy, alright. We're positive Polly Shores <laughs> here at the Only Fan Cast. And if either of us had a Polly Shore impersonation, this is where we'd if I out. had any idea what Polly Shore sounded like or looked like. It, it, the world would be a sadder place. Let's be grateful. <laughs> so what are we going to do now, Kat? What we're going to do now is we're going to talk about stuff that we're just friggin' excited about. And like, especially friggin' excited about that week. Both of us are the type of people where we'll get really fixated on something for like very brief periods of time and neither of us have ever i don't think ever been part of like an actual fandom really because neither of us have ever been fans of something hard enough to want to be i'm definitely like, all a kanye out. stan that's true that's true you're a kanye stan and you're a barcelona stan but besides that but i think both of us have in common we go through like periods of intense obsession over just random weird crap, right? Right. And so that's that's what we're gonna we're gonna pivot the podcast into is talking about that stuff. Yeah, because those things deserve to have a podcast dedicated to them, but most of them don't have enough material for a weekly podcast. <laughs> they maybe have enough material for half of one podcast. But ever. for that half of one podcast ever we're going to be so excited about them. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, a little bit of a format change where we're both going to be bringing a topic to every episode that we are super excited about that week. And I believe usually that the other one doesn't know that much about, or at least that's, that's what we've got going on this week. Yeah. Might not always be the case though. 
Well, Who knows? I foresee me channeling most of my conversational energy about this stuff into the podcast, you know? Yes, yeah, so but sometimes won't... I might want to bring something that we both enjoyed that week. True, true. Should we get started? Yeah, and I just want to say that if, you, if you've been listening along uh, in our first 23 episodes, we really appreciate you, and I don't think that you uh, will be disappointed at all, because it's still the two of us talking about things, and that's kind of what you signed up for. If you just are really, like, an obsessive fan of television, I can't imagine that you weren't already disappointed, disappointed in us already. <laughs> so, shall we begin? Let's dive in, because I'm so excited so about my topic. You're bringing the t first topic this I'm week? bringing the first topic. Ask me what it is. What is it? It's The Invisibles by Grant Morrison. And what is that? The Invisibles um, is a uh, comic book series. It ran from 94... Is it a comic book or graphic novel? Comic book. So it was like a weekly thing? No. So I guess graphic novel. What's the difference? Uh, I usually consider comic book, like, because I think it's mostly in terms of publication. But like, comic books are something that come out every week and don't necessarily, like, I think they have, like, seasons. I've never been big into comic books, but, like, they don't have, like, a defined starting and end point where graphic novels are, like, serialized um, books. Okay, I suppose it's more of a graphic novel, then. Um, so they're, I guess, a collection of graphic novels, because there's, like, three main volumes. Yeah, that sounds more like a graphic novel. Okay. Um, it was published by Vertigo, mm -hmm. which is imprint of DC, and mm -hmm. it was, like, Vertigo's first big major publication. Started in 94, ended in 2000, written by Grant Morrison. Each, um, each basically, story arc has a different main artist, which means that the art style throughout the entire thing like varies wildly, which actually ended up being pretty cool. Cool. Um, and I read The Invisibles uh, voraciously when I was like 14. And I think that how it started was that um, there's a lot of talk about how The Matrix is based on these. Like a lot of people are like, Were oh, you a big Matrix fan? Well, no. So that's what I'm having trouble figuring out. I think that's where I heard of it. Cause people were like, the Wachowskis, um, just like stole from the Invisibles to make the Matrix series. I wasn't that into the Matrix, but I was like, I gotta get my hands on the Invisibles. If, if people want to steal from it, it's probably worth reading. <laughs> I guess so. And it was. So, hey. Um, and I just, I have been thinking about this lately because I haven't, like, really thought about or looked at these comics in, like, years and years and years. But I've, I've started to realize, like, that this is, like, a huge, like, cornerstone of my entire, like, personality is based on these comic books. Like, it influenced my thinking and just sort of appreciation for weird shit in a major way. And I'm very excited about it. From what I know of you, by 14, you were already super into weird shit. Okay, that's probably fair. So another thing about me is that these comics deal a lot with stuff like Aleister Crowley, who was a big occultist in England, and he, he did, like, magic rituals and, I don't know inspired a lot of black sabbathy shit and then um like terence mckenna 
who was the guy who was really into hallucinogens and, and said that everything was all about interdimensional machine elves. Oh, cool. You know, Terrence McKenna? I know interdimensional machine elves. Yeah. But I think I might have, <laughs> that might have been independent, uh, invention. Or no, what's that called? Concurrent invention? <laughs> Wait, what do you, what, what world of machine elves do you know of that's not Terrence McKenna? Well, I, just, I just know that interdimensional machine elves run everything, but I didn't learn that from Terrence McKenna. Well, Terrence McKenna came up with it. He taught the world yeah, that's about what, it. I, that's what I'm saying is that I think we just both came up with that on our own. Oh, uh, like you yeah. also realize that. There's a term for it. I don't remember what it is. <laughs> but when two people like, invent the same thing at the same time but without interacting with each other yeah like you're Leibniz and he's Newton yeah, yeah. and yeah it's, a, it's uh, a thing of course of course okay um and so I was I was kind of already into like strange occult um just historical weirdness and so that's also part of why the invisibles was so up my alley but it really took that and just and just compounded it um okay so, so what is it what is it is um, it <laughs> <laughs> what it is, is basically the Invisibles are like a um, secret organization that they're basically superheroes, but um, they're battling against um, physical and psychic oppression using time travel, magic, meditation, and physical violence, as Wikipedia phrases it, which is fun. Is that an order of importance? <laughs> is physical violence the last tool in their tool set? Like, yeah, kinda. Um, and so they're fighting the outer church, which are like interdimensional alien gods, and they're very Lovecraftian. And so the outer church um, has enslaved most of the human race without the human race's knowledge. And the invisibles are really like this, this, uh, these various like cells who fight the outer church and try to like restore freedom to all of the enslaved humans so the like the basic thing you have to buy into which is very matrixy is that everybody is already enslaved to the outer church without us knowing right okay okay but the invisibles know so the first uh the very first story in the invisibles there's this angry young dude in liverpool and his name is dane mcgowan and he tries to burn down his school because he's such an angry young man. Mm -hmm. And somehow through that, the Invisibles are like, hey, do you want to join the Invisibles? <laughs> you got gumption, kid. <laughs> you got the right stuff. Um, so, Wait, so do you not have to have superpowers already? Well, do, they, do they give you superpowers when you burn down a school? No. So I can't actually really remember why they try to recruit him in the first place. But the upshot is that he... Um, like joins them for a minute, bounces, and then he ends up just being like homeless on the streets of London. Um, so we only get a taste of the Invisibles for just like a quick second. And then the rest of that first story arc is Dane wandering around London and he finds an elderly homeless guy named Tom O'Bedlam, which should sound familiar to you. No, not at all. No. So, so Tom O'Bedlam is like an it's like a th one of the things that the fool and King Lear calls himself and stuff like that. I think like I that. know King Lear. Whatever. Anyway, it's a thing. So, um, and so Tom O'Bedlam um, shows him like 
um, the magic in the world, and then also um, they get abducted by aliens, kind of. And then the aliens are like, "Hey, Dane, um, you're you're the Buddha, like you're the Messiah and the Buddha, kind of rolled into one." Okay. Um, that seems right from what I know of Dane. Uh huh. And so they travel to this different dimension, and then they travel back to normal times. And then Dane is like, "Yeah, I guess I'll join the Invisibles now because I'm the Buddha." Um. So he goes to the Invisibles. They say, your superhero name is Jack Frost. And now it's time for your first mission. What are the other superhero names? I'm going to tell you. Are in a they minute. all Christmassy? No, they're not. <laughs> no, they're not. Um, I'm going to tell you in a minute. But basically, uh, his first thing that he does with the Invisibles is they all go back in time via astral projection to the French Revolution. But then while they're in the French Revolution... Um, they get transported into the fictional world of the Marquis de Sade's 120 Days of Sodom. Ooh, exciting. Which you're familiar with, yes? Uh-huh. Um, so basically, like, uh, they're, they're battling the outer church via living inside this fictional world itself within the past. And then they win, and it works, and it's fine. <laughs> So did they have a reason to go back to the French Revolution or was it just like a vacation? No, it was it was it was something to do with battling the outer church. I don't I don't know cuz here's the thing, I haven't read it in a really long time. And I'm right and like I went back and I reread like synopses. Do you think but you I understood it at the time? Them. At the time I think no, it did not make sense. <laughs> a lot of this you have to just kind of say, oh, "Okay, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm going to roll with it." It's got to be along for the ride. Exactly. Um, so some of the other people who are in the Invisibles, um, you have Lord Fanny, who's <laughs> get your giggles out. <laughs> it's all good. So Lord Fanny is a Brazilian transgender woman who has shamanistic magic of the like the Incans and the Aztecs or something. And so, like, the next volume basically, like, goes back in time and explores her backstory of basically being, like, a prostitute in Brazil, but then she was transgender, so then she got, like, beat up, and then she was like, oh, psych, I now have shaman magic. And then she joined the Invisibles. Like you do. Like, does everybody get their magical powers through some sort of trauma? I mean, yeah, kind of. So, um, there's the leader of the Invisibles, his name is King Mob, and he's basically like a Grant Morrison, like, self-insert, mm-hmm. um, cause he's just like a bald Does he live guy. on an island? He does- wait, what? <laughs> Doesn't Grant Morrison live on an island by himself? You're thinking of Alan Moore again. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, Grant Morrison's just like a, a bald guy who's very into, like- punk and like mystical magical things i'm going to tell you a lot more about grant morrison in a minute okay so king mob is in charge of the group you've got lord fanny you've got jack frost um you've got boy who is a woman okay (laughs) but her name is boy and she is a former like nypd officer but her brother got like kidnapped by like the outer church so she joined the Invisibles, and she doesn't really have any superpowers. She just uses guns, as far as I remember. 
Um, and then you've got Ragged Robin, who's like a telepath, but she's secretly from the future. She's from 2012. You find that out later. That's the past. <laughs> well, yeah, but in the Lord of in the thing, 2012 was five years ago. So, um, and then you've got um, um, Jim Crow, who is a Haitian magician who practices voodoo magic. Who's got a lot of good voodoo magic? Is it stuff supposed in there? to be the Jim Crow? What do you mean? Like from the Jim Crow laws? Yeah. Well, that's like the the thing is he's named after the laws. But the laws aren't named after him? I don't think the laws are named after him in universe. It's hard to say. You know what? It's basically impossible to say. Um, and then some other important people. You've got um, Moonchild. So Moonchild is like a monstrous beast that was created when like, like Queen Elizabeth II, right? You with me? No. <laughs> like you went straight from a monstrous beast who was created when elizabeth the second when and elizabeth then you stopped there well so i'm definitely not with you because i know of no monstrous beasts that were created when elizabeth the second did anything well okay elizabeth the second as a young woman she had secret sex with like a uh with like cthulhu basically okay and and then you get Moonchild from that. And Moonchild is going, the outer church wants to crown Moonchild as like the king of England. But right now, Moonchild lives in a vat. <laughs> Why does the outer church specifically care about the king of England? It seems they like they care about everything. Bigger... They're trying, like, they, they're, they're trying to control the world, but also to hasten the apocalypse, which is going to take place on December 22nd, 2012. Well, that was five years ago. Well, it didn't happen. Oh, because the invisible stopped it? Well, no, because in the comic it does happen. <laughs> um, some other good stuff that happens. Uh, so the thing about all of this is that it's all, it sounds very like weird and kitsch, right? I, I, yes. I, mean, I, I don't know how, what it sounds like right now. <laughs> how would you describe it thus far? Like, it sounds kind of like the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, but if, instead of, like, taking characters from famous novels and putting them into a super team, you just took, like, LSD hallucinations from Grant Morrison's mind and made them into a super team. That's not untrue. So, um, the way that Grant Morrison came up with the Invisibles, um is that he... <laughs> Hang on, I don't know. I'm going to try to say this um, without okay, giggling, deep breath, okay? Deep breath. All right, here it comes. Um, he says that uh, he, most of the story of the Invisibles doesn't come from his own mind. It was told to him when he was abducted by aliens in Kathmandu. Now, where is Katmandu? Kathmandu. That's where I want to start. <laughs> okay. That's an interesting starting point. Um, Kathmandu is in uh, Nepal. Okay. Why was Grant Morrison there? To talk to aliens. So he went there with the express purpose to speak to aliens. Yeah. He like, was like, I need to write a fucking book. Yeah, I, I don't know what to write it about. I'm going to Nepal. So that Grant, so that 
aliens can give me some ideas. I can give you an exact quote from Grant Morrison. Okay. So Grant Morrison said, um, much of the content in the invisibles was information given to him by aliens that abducted him in Kathmandu, who told him to spread this information to the world via comic book. But he later clarified that the experience he labeled as the alien abduction experience in Kathmandu had nothing to do with aliens or abduction, but that there was an experience he had in Kathmandu that the Invisibles is an attempt to explain. So the closest our human language can get to describing what Grant Morrison experienced is alien abduction. So there's a failure to communicate is what's going on here. <laughs> yes. Is that the English language was not built for Grant Morrison. <laughs> Yeah. I see. Exactly. I see. But that does not explain you saying that he explicitly went oh, no. to Katmandu to speak to aliens. There there was another quote that I can't find right now, and it was just Grant Morrison being like, I went to Katmandu to talk to aliens. It just turns out to talk to aliens, you just gotta be like, yeah, man, come talk to me. But imagine all of that in a Scottish accent, and also imagine it's a direct quote. And that's that's what happened. All right, I think I got it. Okay. So the thing about the Invisibles is that it's just, like, bonkers, right? It's just taking every, like, uh, mythological whatever, every magic system ever devised by humans, every weird, like, psychedelic 60s experience, every everything, and, like, mashing it together with pop culture and this sort of, like, underground... 90s aesthetic and just squishing it all together and seeing if it works yeah mm -hmm. but the thing is is that it really genuinely has like really good storytelling so like which which i which i think that no one who's hearing me describe this will believe <laughs> but like for instance um one of the one of the arcs is um there's a big there's a big shootout um, and King Mob kills a bunch of guards who are just, like, uh, guarding something that's from the outer church, and then blah, 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 and the arc goes along. And then a later arc goes back, and that arc is, like, an entire, it's the exact same number of pages as a regular, you know, Invisibles adventure, but it just tells the life story of one of the guards that King Mob killed. And it just tells, like, this very mundane, everyday story of, like, this guy and his childhood and him growing up and it talks you it walks you all through like his romances and his like happinesses and his sadnesses and he's just like a very flushed out flawed real three-dimensional human character and then that arc ends with him getting you know shot with a bullet in the head from king mob that sounds real nice it's not <laughs> no, i mean like <laughs> from an empathetic point of view exactly yeah, yeah. Yeah, because because it it has a lot of just like very matrix esque ultra violence, but it also um, takes those moments to kind of say like, "Hey, they're killing a lot of innocent people." Like this guy was just a guy who was hired to like be a guard and do his job, and it tells his whole story. So that that like empathy and stuff like that runs through the whole thing, while at the same time, you've got all this wild, crazy like sex magic superpower wildness going on okay let's talk more about the sex magic yeah there's a lot of sex magic what do you want to know about the sex magic what is sex magic so <laughs> so okay so let me clarify 
Grant Morrison himself doesn't believe in sex magic specifically he believes in chaos magic so grant Ma- morrison Wait, does, is does a- grant morrison have like a list of like okay here are all of the magics that are detailed in this book some of these <laughs> are fake i made those up no these ones no. though those are real magics no so the sex magic in the book is just straight up like telling um like taking Aleister Crowley as a jumping off point, who was a real person who did real stuff, who genuinely believed that he could do magic. And he did like weird sex rituals that were supposed to do magic. And then, and then the invisibles just picks up where that left off and runs with it. Like, so, so Grant Morrison himself, but what magic (laughs) does Grant Morrison believe in? Okay. I'll tell you. Grant Morrison says, Oh, sex magic? That's bunk. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Sex magic was disproved years ago. He doesn't. Can I tell you? Can I tell you exactly how much he believes in sex magic? You just told me that he didn't believe in no, sex no, no, magic. No, 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 no. I'm saying that he believes in chaos magic. He is a chaos magician. And sex magic is like a subset of the magics that he practices. Oh, okay. Let me give you an example. Grant Morrison wrote The Invisibles... Because not only did aliens tell him to, but he thinks that the actual, like, text, like the physical objects of copies of the Invisibles are themselves magic sigils. Do you do you know what I mean when I say sigil? He seems to be thinking awfully high, <laughs> highly of himself. <laughs> um, and he He's calls like, them... <laughs> this book's going to be so good that when it's printed through just normal Gutenberg press printing process... <laughs> Those objects, like, it doesn't matter how commercially available, like, where they're printed from, just if they have my ideas inside of them, they will be magic. Yeah, exactly. He says they're hyper-sigils, and they're going to jumpstart the culture in a more positive direction. Can you prove him wrong? Well, that doesn't sound like he's saying that they're magic. That sounds like he's saying, hey, I'm making some good art that people will like. <laughs> no. I, like... Because I I make art sometimes, and I don't call that magic. Um, can I give you another, for instance, of Grant Morrison's actual real magic in real life? Yeah, but if it doesn't involve, like, some type of ritual and at least candles or something, I don't know if I'm interested. Let me me put this down for you. After... Some blood. (laughs) Um... After the first uh, series, um, like, it sold well for a while, and then sales just, like, plummeted. And so he said to all of his fans, um, let's have a wankathon. <laughs> Let me say that one more time. Let's have a wankathon. I don't want to hear about Grant Morrison's <laughs> wankathon. If we can bring about a magical increase in sales, if all of the fans simultaneously masturbate at the same time, that that um, profusion of magical energy brought about by the simultaneously masturbating will lead to a force that will that will like inspire more sales of the Invisibles. Cat, and and so and it happened. I and thought it, you said and, that Grant Morrison was a punk. Yeah. Because this is the most, like, corporatist bullshit I've ever heard (laughs) in my life. Like, this is just capitalism 
by way of magic. Because <laughs> he's saying, A, hey, these books, they are themselves are magic, so go out and buy one. B, you haven't bought enough, so I'm going to use my very real magic to make you buy more so that I can make more money. Well, but that would all assume that that Grant Morrison was only benefiting from this. But in fact, he became seriously ill while he was writing The Invisibles because he said that it was because of the manner in which its magical influence affected him, made him sick. And so he needed a lot of money. Uh, I mean, that's what you need when you're when you have a serious magical sickness. Grant Morrison <laughs> is a capitalist hack and I hate him. No! um like i'm very pro-capitalism you know this about me but i don't think that capitalism and magic mix i think you can be very into magic or you can be very into capitalism but you cannot be into both i don't see why not if you are into magic you need to say hey money you're no good to me no more i don't need you i just because i'm magic if you i'm magic i don't need money because I'm magic. If you had magic, wouldn't you use it to get money? No. Well, how if would you I get the ma- stuff you want? If you can't I had just magic, all do it through magic. If I had magic, I would use the magic to get the things that the money would get me. But money and magic should be interchangeable. No, 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 no. You don't use You're not magic understanding to how get magic money works. to buy things. You are thinking of, of bullshit Harry Potter magic. Real magic only works when you, when you get... When you get thousands of people to simultaneously masturbate, and you can't do that every time you want a new fridge, Kyle. You have to just say, hey, let's do this once to really boost the sales, and then I'll just take that money and I can get a fridge with it. It can't be like, oh, the washing machine's broken. Everybody. If you get on Twitter and you're like, hey, everybody, I need a favor. If you can just uh, have a quick wink <laughs> so that a fridge can appear in my apartment. Yeah, but this was in the 90s. There wasn't oh, any there was Twitter. No Twitter. Okay. Grant Morrison so could just like, get on Twitter whenever he wanted. Write letters like, to everybody. To so wank. it needed to be one good one. Yes, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. I'm so glad you're understanding. So, do you like it? I love it. Um, it's, it's just, it's wild. Um, there's time travel there's like uh nanobots there's alistair crowley i think i've said like five times but just the alistair crowley stuff tickles me to no end there's william burroughs there's uh strange lovecraftian shit it just it's just like it's it's such a perfect mix of just like weird bullshit written by a man who believes that he is an actual real life magician um with really good, genuinely empathetic storytelling and really cool uh, art and literature from the mind of an absolute madman. And it's beautiful. I love it. Well, that sounds cool. I mean, when I'm describing it to you, can you understand how the Invisibles basically became <laughs> the way that I understood the world around me at 14? No, it just sounds like what you already were at 14. No, no, no. You didn't know me when I was 14. You don't know. I knew you when you were 15. Yeah, and by that time, I'd read The Invisibles several times over. And yeah, it had but I've also heard stories about you at, like, three. <laughs> and that's... Usually, they're just stories about you ranting about Alistair McCauley. <laughs> Tell the story of me when I was three that you know. <laughs> no, I can't. Why? <laughs> <laughs>
Let's move on. Okay. All right. My topic. Your topic. Football trick plays. Okay. This is going to be fun because I literally don't know anything about football really at all. Yeah. And I think that's going to be okay. Okay. I don't really know all that much. No, I, I know a lot about football. I know way too much about football for somebody that doesn't really like or watch football. <laughs> but here's what I like. I just like the rules. No, genuinely. <laughs> that is what I like about football. Is that football, American football, has a perfect rule set. Because like a lot of sports, because um, like the, the one sport that I actually like is soccer, right? Mm-hmm. Or other people's football. <laughs> and in as it is commonly known the rules in soccer are pretty simple overall so when i first started learning about the rules of soccer all i wanted to do was find ways around them <laughs> but there's like some rules in soccer in the fairly limited rule set that are basically like play by the intent and not the letter of the law so if you try to do something cool then the ref can just be like no you can't do that football american football is the exact opposite of that the rules are extremely detailed about everything like with very specific measurements and everything in mind but what that means is that if you find a way to do something hilarious or absurd, as long as it follows all of the letters of the law, everybody's cool with it. And that is how trick plays became a thing. And it's basically like the only sport that trick plays are like both a thing that's legally accepted and like celebrated. Because there's some, like, in baseball, you can, like, pretend to throw the ball and hold it in your mitt and then, like, tag somebody out. But when you do that, you're just considered, like, kind of a dick, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Like, nobody's like, oh, that was so clever. It's just like, well, that was a dick thing to do. (laughs) But in football, there are just so many things that you can do that just means, like, oh, that was awesome and hilarious. (laughs) So what I want to do is go through a few of my favorite trick plays. Yes. And do some simple explanations of how they work. Okay, I'm excited. And they're my favorite because they mean that you do something really dumb or stupid (laughs) to try to get an advantage in the game. Okay. Because there's actually like a lot of trick plays in football, like to the point where a lot of them are like just fundamentals of the game Mm -hmm. because there's like the play action pass which what that is is it's you pretend like you're um handing the ball off to somebody and then when like the defense follows that person thinking they have the ball then that gets like coverage off of your receivers and then you can throw the ball to them right Mm -hmm. so that's like literally one of the like main four plays on offense but it's still considered a trick play and then there's lots of like fakes like fake punt fake field goal fake spike you know just a lot of things that you pretend you're doing one thing but then you do the other Mm -hmm. that's not what i'm here to talk about today what are you here to talk about so a a hidden man trick plays 
Oh, I like the sound of this already. It's very good. <laughs> so what this is, is that when you are on the receiving team of a punt, mm -hmm. what you do, so like normally the punt will go over to the left or the right of the field, right? Mm -hmm. And so you'll have somebody at the left and the right, and um, whoever catches it, then all of the uh, um, play goes like, all of the defenders go and run and try to get that guy down, right? Uh -huh. So, like, they're, the kicking team is set up to, like, cover the whole field, but then once the ball, like, goes left, then everybody on the kicking team will just run to the left, uh -huh. right? So, in a hidden man play, what you do is you have another guy who's in the touchdown area for the receiving team, and he will lay down in the touchdown and hide. <laughs> And this works especially well on teams where your jerseys are the same color as, like, the paint in the <laughs> touchdown. So you hide there, right? Uh-huh. And then when um, the person who's receiving the ball gets it, all of the defense will run towards that person, and the hidden person's on the other side, like the opposite side of the field, uh -huh. right? So if the ball's kicked to the left, this person's on the right. Yeah. And once all of the defense is running over to that guy with the ball, he'll throw a lateral pass, so you're allowed to, if you're not the quarterback behind the line of scrimmage, you're allowed to throw the ball, but only if you're not getting forward progress on okay. the throw, right? Yeah. So you can throw it backwards or lateral, Yeah. right? So you throw a lateral pass to that guy who is seconds ago hidden in the touchdown, <laughs> and now he's got like a clear run downfield <laughs> with no so one on just, defense. So it's just a little, a little camouflaged man uh -huh. who's just like, wee. And then if you watch plays of it, the uh -huh. way that they so excitedly hop up when it's, like, when it's their time to shine, that's my favorite thing about them. It's go time for Kevin. Mm -hmm. Watch Kevin go. So that that's a hidden man trick play. Okay, give me another one. And in a similar vein, I don't have a name for this one, but it's just plays. So like in football, you're allowed to have 11 people from each team on the field, right? Mm. And there's actually, like, like this is what I'm saying about, like, the rules, is that there's really specific rules about, like, what type of players are allowed to be on the field, and you need to, like, tell refs when they're coming on and all of this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. But what you can do is if you've had a player that's already on the field in a play before, then you don't need to tell anybody about them in, like, the next play, mm -hmm. right? So what you do is you have somebody that's on the field in a play before, go over as if they are coming off the field, uh -huh. but then just stand right in the field, just kind of off to the side. <laughs> and they pretend like they're not involved in the play <laughs> until like, the play starts. Uh, I'm not in the game anymore. I'm in the game. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, I, I saw one specifically that it was um, a team had their second string quarterback standing on the field talking to the coach. Right. So uh -huh. like the coach was just like giving him a rundown, blah, 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 blah. The um, uh, play starts. 
that quarterback, the second string quarterback, just starts running downfield as another receiver. So uh. there's nobody in on him anywhere close. And if you see the replay, the coach is just standing there just waiting uh-huh. and telling him when to go. So that's all he's sitting there talking to him is he's pretending to talk so that he can then tell the quarterback, okay, start running. I love, like, because the whole vibe of it is just, oh, these players being goofs. But you have to realize that it's like the coach is coming up with this dumb shit. Mm-hmm. Like, it seems like just like, oh, some shenanigans, some some silly player pranks. But well, no, here's... it's the coach who's like, hey, come pretend to talk to me. <laughs> I'll here... tell you when to run. Here's the best thing about it. Do you know where trick plays come from? Pee wee football. <laughs> really? Pee wee and high school football is just filled with trick plays. Like, that's all they spend all of their time doing. But then, like, so, like, a coach of some peewee football team will come up with some new way to bend the rules of the game, and over time, that will, like, because it literally makes its way up. Like, then a high school coach hears about it, then a college coach hears about it, and then eventually it's in the NFL. <laughs> but tell me, Tell me some more trick plays. Okay, this one's a classic. Uh huh. It's the fumble ruski. <laughs> okay. And I think this one is actually in like a like movie, like a kids movie about football, like Little Giants or something you like know, that. I've never seen I haven't seen that movies. either. But the fumble ruski is based entirely on the idea. So there's like again with the rule book of football, the quarterback is not allowed to hand off the ball to a tight end. Right. Mm -hmm. And what that means isn't really important, but it's like a tight end's a big guy and he's not allowed to run the ball normally. Mm -hmm. So in the fumble ruski, what you do is the quarterback gets the snap and then intentionally fumbles it, Mm. but pretends like he hadn't. (laughs) Right. Because Uh the tight end is allowed to pick up the ball. If it's a fumble. If it's a fumble. Mm-hmm. So the quarterback, like, as soon as he gets the snap, he just drops it, and then he runs away as <laughs> if he still has the ball oh. when the tight end picks it up and runs the opposite direction. <laughs> um, okay, and then this is my last one. Okay, I'm excited. And it, it's got a name that I believe is offensive. It should be Hide the Little Person, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll just say Hide the Little Person. And what this is... Is you have like so you you've seen like a football play and usually so there's the de, the offensive line right that's like all the big guys that protect the quarterback yeah right and they're trying to stop the defensive line from getting to the quarterback yeah. but usually they're kind of spread out right like they kind of spread down along the line of scrimmage yeah. so in this the entire offensive line plus like all of the other players except for the quarterback uh-huh. just stand tightly packed together in a straight line uh-huh. right in front of the quarterback but then there's one player who's oftentimes the smallest player on the team oh, that okay. is squatting <laughs> behind that line uh-huh. and what they do is so like the ball snapped the quarterback has it the quarterback just hands it to that small guy, mm-hmm. and then most of the players all just start running, right? So it's, um, so like the defense has no idea where to go. And once like the defense is kind of spread out to cover all those people that have run away, this guy who's just squatting behind like <laughs> two guys that are left, he gets up and he just starts booking it. <laughs> 
picturing this like he never gets to do anything else and he's just like disguised as the water boy (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's like okay it's time to do the 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 thing and then he gets out and in my mind his name is jum jum and he's just like now it's jum jum's time and he hides and he's so excited and they all start running around the other team is basically like a bunch of golden retrievers just like where's the ball where's the ball where's the ball and then jum jum's like jum jum has it and then he just sprints yeah uh, like genuinely like i don't watch much football at all like the only football that i watch is uh, boise state uh, the college football, um, which they're actually known for their trick plays. So that may be what got my initial love for it. But genuinely, like I was just on YouTube the other day and there was like a recommended video and it was like the top 10 best trick plays. So I watched that 10 minute video and then I just typed in football trick plays into <laughs> YouTube and I watched at least seven other 10 minute videos. <laughs> Of trick plays. I think I think that I understand the reason it appeals to you because Kyle, there's a war within you. On one hand, you really like order and rules, and you don't want to be a rule breaker. You're you're like, yeah, there are laws for a reason, and I will follow them. You're a good citizen boy on the inside, but there's another part of you that's just a little chaos demon that just wants to rebel. And so this is the perfect blend of that, where it's like, I'm technically following the rules, Mm -hmm. but just that idea of, like, subverting the rules while still technically adhering to them is something that I just, I I understand you getting a lot of delight out of it, because... Because you 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 don't want to you don't want to subvert the system so much that you break the system. (laughs) You don't want to just stop following rules because that would be chaos. You just want to follow the rules to the letter of the law, but not the spirit. Yeah, I love technicalities. My life is a technicality. (laughs) But like the other thing that I love about these specifically is that it's just like because it's it's almost more than like kind of bending the rules or anything like that Mm -hmm. it is like doing dumbass shit (laughs) to try to get an advantage you know Uh like fumbling the ball you're not supposed to Uh you're not supposed to just let the ball fall and then run away from it you know (laughs) like you're not supposed to lay down when when you are playing sports when you are playing the game of football Uh (laughs) it's not not time sir yeah so it's just like doing you're not you're not supposed to hide and squat behind some players. <laughs> like hiding is I don't think hiding's involved in any other sport in the world. <laughs> Maybe paintball is a sport, I Paintball's guess. Paintball's not a sport. <laughs> Although there is first. the the notorious um camouflage on the ice which is in curling. In curling, do you remember the the nineteen eighty six Olympics? Uh, the curling match up. was known as camouflage on the ice, and there's you a man- know that I know way more about <laughs> curling than you. Know. There's a man disguised as a broom. <laughs> he Can't turned make out up to have about legs. curling to me. <laughs> I was trying to create a- like if we did cricket, uh, maybe that would work. But you- I know curling. I've gone curling before. I've gone curling too. Cool. You know a lot about cricket, also, Kyle. I just love sports rules. I guess. <laughs> I like the rules of sports, but not... I don't like watching sports. I don't like playing sports. <laughs> but I definitely like the rules of sports. All right, Moneyball. Well, I was... Okay, so I was trying to think, like, 
how how can we bring our passions together? But I think really what this week's episode mainly did was illustrate the ways in which we're very different. Because I'm like, I love the Marquis de Sade and astral projection and LSD. I don't love any of those things, but I love the thought of them. And you're like... I love I love rules and cost benefit analysis. <laughs> and and I think that we're you know I think we're in love. I love you. I love you too. So, should we end our podcast for today? I think let's. I'm still trying to figure out like how we can how we can bring these two very disparate concepts together. I don't think we have to. I I feel like I want I think it's just we've got two topics this week. Those were them. Sayonara. No, I want the topics to stand united. But we didn't like come up with a theme before <laughs> the episode, so it's weird to try to force it into a theme in the last few minutes. But that's what I do. That's what I do. I try to force meaning out of meaninglessness. Isn't that the human condition? Isn't that the sports condition? Okay, what about this? There we go. What Bam. if Coach Taylor <laughs> yeah. was a character in The Invisibles? <laughs> it would be great. It'd be great. The end. All right, that's our show for the week. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening this week to the Only Fan Cast. We would super duper appreciate uh, hearing from you of what you thought of this episode, what you think of us kind of changing our formats and uh, uh, focus a little bit. We would really love to hear that from you. And one way that you can do that is by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribing to our show there. Um, you can also let us know your thoughts on Facebook or Twitter at OnlyFanCast. If you have any like ideas of stuff that we would be into talking about based on what we've already talked about, if you have feedback on our format, if you have uh, weird Grant Morrison trivia that you want to share with me, that's what I'm all about. So let us know. And if you know how to get our podcast onto the dark web, please let us know. I've been Kyle. I've been Kat. What are you going to say <laughs> I now? I don't know. Are you not going to say the next week we're going to watch Wings? No. Well, then what are you going to say? Um, next week, but great or not. I love you. Spoiler the great. I love you. <laughs> I love you too.